0: The Proverbs of Solomon from LetGodBeTrue.com Proverbs, chapter 25, and verse 21. If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. Hear the words of God in Solomon again. If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. All children of God, please stand up. Here is your test. Do you love your enemies? Do you treat your enemies well when they have needs? Your sinful nature revolts at such selfless thoughts, but the wisdom from heaven teaches better. Let God's true children stand up. What a lofty and noble standard King Solomon set forth in this proverb. What pagan religion or holy book can match this definition of love, even for enemies? The natural man wants to limit love to those who love him and limit his service to those who will return the favor. So the Pharisees perverted God's word and taught that you should hate your enemies. Jesus repeated this holy proverb and quoted it when he said, Love your enemies. He rebuked your sinful instincts and taught that God sends rain and sunshine on both enemies and friends. For you to be like your Heavenly Father, you must do the same. You must love your enemies by treating them well. Paul also taught the lesson in Romans chapter 12, verses 17-21. through 21. Many think Jesus taught a new kind of righteousness, but Solomon taught the same truth 900 years earlier in this proverb. Moses taught it 1,500 years earlier, In Exodus chapter 23, verses 4 and 5, they are wrong who think Jesus preached a new gospel of love. Wisdom and godliness do not change. God and his children always treated enemies well. The new commandment of love, described in the New Testament, was new only in its emphasis, its example of the Lord Jesus, and its evidence of the body of believers in the New Testament church. These are not national or civil enemies under consideration in the proverb. Under the Old Testament, the national enemies of Israel were to be exterminated. Under the New Testament, nations must protect themselves by defeating enemies in war. Civil governments still wage war to protect their citizens, and they still put capital offenders to death by civil laws. This is just and right. The proverb does not speak against it. The rule of the proverb does not modify authority or punishment at all. Parents still discipline children without regard for this proverb, for it does not apply to them. Churches still discipline church members without regard for this proverb, for it does not apply to them either. The pointed object of the proverb is how each man treats his own personal enemies over offenses caused by that enemy. The commandment to love your neighbor includes your enemies. Jesus said the whole law hung on the first two commandments, love of God and love of neighbor, and he was right. When asked to define a man's neighbor, Jesus told of the good Samaritan helping the wounded Jew, which was a profound answer, for the Jews and Samaritans were enemies. Does the Lord allow grudges and bitterness in your heart when you cannot touch your enemies due to circumstances? Not at all. Solomon even taught elsewhere that you must not rejoice when your personal enemies experience trouble. His father, David, had practiced this rule well. Do you sorrow when your enemies are troubled? Do you rejoice when your enemies are blessed? Is the lesson a mere prohibition of retaliation toward enemies? Is it merely a reminder to desire your enemies good? No, on both counts. This proverb and the rule of right wisdom goes far beyond these two lines. It teaches positive performance towards your enemy. Praying for an enemy is one thing, but entertaining him is another. How can you ever do such a thing? Though the lesson is gloriously noble and benevolent, who can overturn his heart's lust for revenge and feed his enemy? You might as well try to create a new earth. But God's grace and strength are sufficient for the task. You can learn to do this, and Christ will empower you to do it. Why should you do something so strange to your natural instincts? Why? To be the children of your Father in heaven. To either melt or grieve your enemy's heart by your kindness. To overcome their evil by your good, by the Holy Spirit. And to secure the reward of the Lord. What else could you desire? The blessing of God is upon those who return blessing for the railing of others. Ah, dear listener, can you be thankful for enemies? If you had no enemies, how could you possibly show the character and grace of your father and win the blessings of the previous paragraph? Paul learned this lesson and took pleasure in the reproaches and persecutions he endured and conquered by God's grace. The perverseness of your enemy is your blessing, for it gives you opportunity to step ever closer to heaven and the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Examine yourself and identify those who are your personal enemies, those who hate you, despitefully use you, curse you, or persecute you. Forgive them. Pray for them. And purpose and plan to go to their aid in some area of need. You can do it by God's grace. Can you hear the Savior say, Friend, wherefore art thou come? To the enemy who had sold him for a few pieces of silver? Judas Iscariot? Jesus further sought forgiveness for the soldiers who crucified him. And the deacon Stephen followed the Lord's wonderful example by praying for those who stoned him to death. Will you be like him? But the Lord did far more than these acts of supernatural kindness. He died for sinners when they were his avowed enemies. Romans 5, 6-10 Dear listener, if you believe yourself a son of God, follow your master's precious example and show it by positively loving your enemies. Amen.